0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Learner's Corner podcast. This is a podcast for lifelong learners, where we learn from anything and everything. My name is Caleb Mason.
1: My name is not Caleb Mason. It's Todd Exenbault, a.k.a. the Father.
0: And we have a great episode for you today. Today, we are talking with Rebecca Sofer, and Rebecca uh, co-founded and co-authored a book. Well,
1: she co-founded an organization called and Modern Loss and, she and authored a book
0: called Modern Loss. Boom. And so we're talking with her about grief today. We're talking about here uh, about the unexpected things that come with grief and um, the do's and don'ts of being with someone who is grieving. Now, you may be listening to this podcast and you're going, why on earth are, why are we talking about this?
1: And you could be on a spectrum. You could have... Uh, be, could be a person who has had relatively little experience with, with grief maybe grief over um, a loved one dying or grief over job loss or, or whatever it is something tragic happening maybe maybe you're a person who hasn't had a lot of that maybe you're another person who's raising your hand saying okay I have had way more than my fair share of this so you could be at all sorts of spectrums but right you could, you're probably also asking the question why the heck is Todd and Caleb talking about this and why is it something that matters
0: well first of all At some point, whether you've encountered it or not, we're all going to run into grief, whether it's expected, unexpected, anything. And the other part of the reason is like it's personal. It's very personal to us. Um, Like for me, just in in the last two years, um, I've lost an aunt. I've lost um, two uncles, one, um, one very unexpectedly. And that happened recently. And my my grandpa passed away, who I was really close with as well. And um, the other thing is too, um, you know, about a year and a half ago, I was involved in a car accident, um, which which actually ended up in um, someone someone passing away and dying in the car accident um, that I was involved in as well. And uh, Todd, I know that you've been uh, that you have your own stuff with grief as well.
1: Yeah. So when I was 20 years old, um, 2012. Uh, is when it started a string of, of very impactful deaths that happened in my family. So in um, early spring of 2012, my grandma passed away, my mom's mom. And then um, it was in March. And then three, three months later, my dad died. So my mom lost her, her mom and then her husband within three months. And then uh, th- uh, three years later, after helping my uncle... Um, uh, who was just dealing with an alcohol addiction he, he died. Um, so we lost within three years um, we lost my grandmother, my father, and then um, and my uncle. And so I have two pers- two unique perspectives with this one going through it myself but then also watching my mother go through this excruciating process. Of, of losing three incredibly close people to her and, and just watching as she suffered, as she went through the grieving process and then re-went through the grieving process and then re-went through the grieving process uh, multiple times and just what, what that looks like um, from that perspective. And so, yeah, it is personal for both of us. Um, and unfortunately, grief is kind of part of the human experience um, in that we all lose people. We
0: mm-hmm. We do. And it's, uh, it's inevitable. It's going to happen at some point. Yep. And so we're going to talk with Rebecca about that. and then, uh, But we have a great
1: resource, though.
0: We, we do have a great resource. Um,
1: so this is your Learner's Corner approved resource of the week.
0: Yep. And it is from the Kerry Newhoff Leadership Podcast. And it relates
1: to this whole grief thing.
0: A few months ago, he did an episode with Levi and Jenny Lusko uh, on they unexpectedly lost their daughter and how to fight through grief to keep living in Leading Wall. And so, so that's our Learner's Corner recommended of the resource. We're going to jump into our conversation. Actually, um, I I talked with Rebecca for this episode. You, I think, were sick and weren't able to be there. But on the back half, we're going to um, just give some of our advice to as well.
1: Um, things that we've learned.
0: Things that we've learned through grief. So here is our conversation. Well, actually, here's my conversation. I don't know why I keep doing Who that. cares? We're anyway, talking. Here is our talk with Rebecca Sofer. Well, Rebecca, we are so excited to have you on the Learner's quarter today to talk about Modern Loss.
2: Thanks so much for having me, Caleb. Um, we're both freezing, so yes. <laughs> I'm glad we're talking because it's like burning calories.
0: Yes, exactly. Well, hey, just as we're getting started, um, you, you've you co-authored a book um, yeah. called Modern Loss, and then you've, you've also have um, kind of co-founded this movement called Modern Loss as well. And just as we're getting started, would you mind just telling us a little bit about what Modern Loss is and how it got started.
2: Yeah, so Modern Loss is um, like the actual Modern Loss that we run, not mm-hmm. necessarily the phrase, is a website that I launched with my my co-founder, Gabby Berkner, just over five years ago um, when we were both massively pregnant because we're crazy. Um, and we we started it, it's essentially an online Publication that publishes literary nonfiction, so like personal essays, mm-hmm. but also resources and advice columns, um, things of note and interest, all all circling around one theme, which is grief and loss mm-hmm. from death loss. Um, and a lot of our audience are are younger people, people who are going through something like this earlier than they would have anticipated going through it. So mostly people in their 20s through 40s. But, you know, we ha- our demographics are very, very broad because this topic, as we know, <laughs> it's universal. It's literally going to affect everybody. And what we are trying to do is provide an outlet for people to share their own stories in a way that is literary and beautiful and let it all hang out and somewhat snarky and real talkish um, so that it's a cathartic experience for them. Mm-hmm. But also by extension, we want those pieces to draw other people around the world out of their isolation, just by virtue of reading them and making them realize that they- they're not alone in their grief, even if they feel that way. Um, And then, you know, what we also want to do is change the culture, change the stigma that surrounds talking about loss and grief, especially in Western culture. Um, And finally, our, 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 you know, we have many goals. Our Mm -hmm. last goal is to just show people that they're resilient and be, you know, optimistic and show that You could be going through something that feels like the worst thing in the world, and it it could very well be, but chances are that you can still live a really meaningful and really enjoyable life alongside all the loss that you have to deal with for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. So we are, you know, we publish stories online, um, but then separately, we have a book called Modern Loss Candid Conversation About Grief. Beginners Welcome. It came out last year with HarperCollins. Um, and we do, you know, I do events all over, all over the country now. So mm-hmm. we're kind of like
0: everywhere. Yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and I'm tired.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's one of the things that I love about, um, as I was looking through your website, and even looking throughout the book, is that you do have the stories to which people can relate to and almost have this sense of, um, just identifying with people and helping people not feel alone but then you get really like there's really practical stuff about hey here's what you need to know about um, preparing for funerals and stuff like that as well and so it, you kind of hit it on both ends of the spectrum the the super emotional and relatable part and then the super like hey this is just the practical stuff that you need to worry like i don't know if worry about is the right word but just take care of as well
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah You you pretty much, you you, you get what we do.
0: (laughs) Well, hey, um, you know, just as uh, we're getting started, um, you know, would you be able to tell kind of, uh, you know, the story that kind of led you to really uh, deal with grief? Because that's one of the things that I think, um, you know, we all have unexpected losses in our life and we're not prepared for them. Would you mind just starting and sharing a little bit of that story of your story? Of course.
2: Um, so, this was not something that I really set out to do in life. I think a lot of us have plans for what we're going to accomplish, mm-hmm. and life provides many surprises along the way. And my big surprise was that, um, you know, I went to journalism school at Columbia. I was working for the Colbert Report in daily, you know, political satire. Uh, I wanted to be in TV, I wanted to do really witty TV production. Um, but while I was there, when I was thirty, um, my mother was killed in a car accident right before right after uh, I had said goodbye to her goodbye to her after a family vacation. Uh, she had dropped me off at my apartment along with my dad very late at night, and then they They got back in the car. They were driving. I I live in New York City. They kept driving to Philadelphia, which is my hometown, and had a terrible accident on the New Jersey Turnpike. And my mother was killed, and my father was not. And it changed everything. Um, It changed how I related to him. It changed how I viewed my position in the world. It changed how I viewed myself. it changed how I related to my friends, some of whom didn't know what to do with me, um, and my coworkers, and how I viewed what I wanted to do in my life and accomplish, and it changed my goals, um, and it changed my brain, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I, I just realized very quickly that, you know, grief is just so stigmatized in our culture, because I was 30, and I felt like I couldn't really talk about this with people, I didn't have a lot of friends who had experienced a profound loss. Even at thirty, you know, I knew, of course, people who had lost a mom, lost a dad um, along the way, but not many of them, mm-hmm. and they weren't in my close circle. And I, I felt like it took me years to feel like I could speak honestly about what I was going through without feeling embarrassed, feel like something was wrong with me. I feel like I was maybe contagious because I was talking about grief and other people might catch it. Mm -hmm. Um, and once I realized that I was spending a lot more energy trying not to talk about this in an honest way, um, then I I decided to no longer do that because I didn't have any energy left. Mm -hmm. And so I tried being honest, I tried not feeling embarrassed to say that, say, my mother was killed in a car accident, um, on a date. <laughs> I, cause I realized, you know, if the, if the person couldn't handle it or they got strange in their response, then they just weren't the person for me. Um, in fact, I was doing myself a favor <laughs> by mm-hmm. saving myself time. Um, I got better at standing up for myself at work. um, mm-hmm and I got better at a lot of things, but it took a long time. And along the way, I met my friend Gabby, who had lost her father and stepmother in a home invasion. And we became very good friends and we're both writers and journalists. And we decided to launch Modern Loss together because we were really tired of what was out there in terms of online grief support, which tended to be a lot of Oh, websites that hinged on platitudes or clinical advice or were a little bit more anchored in religion. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're writers, you know, like we're New Yorkers, we're, we're loud, we're, yeah. <laughs> we're snarky. <laughs> and we like to laugh, we like to feel like ourselves, and we wanted to feel like we could approach the conversation about grief in the same way in which we approach any other topic in life which is generally comfortably, without shame, with some laughter, and with some hope that the darkness could also live alongside the light. So mm-hmm. that's the that's story about why, you know, modern loss exists in the first place.
0: Yeah, well, thank, thank you for sharing that story. Um, I think it's much needed and, you know, uh, my co-host and I, Todd, um, we've, we've experienced um, some, some levels of loss, you know, just within our family as well. And I could completely identify there is this sense of um, people just don't know what to do with you mm-hmm, after that. Mm-hmm. You've, after you've experienced. Um, why, why do you think that there is, uh, that there's this strong resistance or stigmatization around acknowledging grief?
2: I think it's because we haven't done a good job over the course of a couple generations of making this a topic that we can talk about outside of circles that are relegated to church basements or um you know therapist offices or circle formats um i just i think that we're just not so good at talking about it in the open um and we have to talk about it in the open now more than ever because We are increasingly living away from extended family Mm -hmm. and switching jobs a lot more and not going to church or synagogue or what have you on a regular basis. We're just out and about (laughs) all the Mm -hmm. time trying to keep our heads above water. We are mixing work and personal lives increasingly. Everything is blurred. We have very little time to create space to move through something like grief. And we, you know, and and because we're not used to talking about it out in the open, we're struggling Mm -hmm. and we're suffering because we feel muzzled and we feel like something's wrong with us and we feel like everyone else is doing so much better than we are because they aren't talking about it either. Mm -hmm. But we're not doing anyone any favors because nobody's doing great, you know, (laughs) like, and if we're doing great it's a mixed bag. You know, grief is, is a nonlinear process. Mm -hmm. Loss is a companion that will be with you for the rest of your days after you go through it. Um, and we want to show people that it's okay, that it's nonlinear, that that's what it is, that if you're feeling like you're one step forward, 10 steps back or vice versa, that's actually loss. Like that's grief. Mm -hmm. Um, and grief looks like a lot of things. It looks like gallows humor and it looks like anger and guilt and jealousy and forgiveness and financial problems and rejiggered dynamics and intimate issues it looks like so many things that we don't realize lost touches and and i think that that's you know it's just what we at modern loss are trying to show um It's not something that is tied up with a nice little bow after one year. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that we're also not great about talking about it because, in addition, we don't really like thinking about our own death. We don't like imagining the loss of someone we love very much. We don't like thinking about those things. And I certainly can't blame people for that. I don't like thinking about those things. Mm -hmm. I hate thinking about those things. I'm not one of those people who, like wants to go to, say, a death cafe and talk Mm -hmm. about death, you know, even though I work with loss. But but the thing is, is that this is reality. If we love, we're going to lose. Mm -hmm. And we might as well not ignore that fact because... We go about life assuming that we are guaranteed a certain amount of time, and that's just not the case.
0: Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about why it's important that we face, I like what you were saying about that, facing reality and grieving, well, why? why would you say that that's important for us to do? I'm
2: sorry, can you repeat that?
0: Yeah. Why? Why is it important? You know, you were saying that, uh, you know, part of us wants to not face reality, but it's important for us to do so. Even if it's a tough reality, even if it means grieving, why would you say that that's important for us to do?
2: Well, I think it's important because if we face it, then it's going to feel less scary than going out of our way to ignore it and being slammed with it suddenly. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also going to be doing favors to the next round of friends or family who go through loss because we'll be paving the way for them to be open about their experience and feel comfortable, more comfortable than people feel normally these days, feel like it's okay to talk about it. Um, and also, you know, I want to say that by normalizing the conversation around grief, we're also going to be doing ourselves favors because, you know, just as an example, um, when people we love who might, you know, be depending on us to take care of things after they're gone, um, die, we might be more comfortable talking to them about their wishes and their plans and and what their hopes are and not be left to guess what they are. And that is, is a Terrible thing to go through because I went through it myself mm-hmm. um, to guess what a parent might have wanted after they died because they didn't really spell out their wishes I'm, I'm a big, big proponent of having this conversation with people while while you're still healthy and thinking through what you might want for yourself while you're healthy, while you're young, and reevaluating that from time to time mm-hmm.
0: so what have you seen, whether it be through, um, through your own journey or even just uh, seeing through people's stories on martyr and loss, what have you seen to be some of the things that help people grieve well?
2: Um, I think some of the things that help people grieve well are, honestly, a, a good support system, for mm-hmm. sure. Not everybody has that, but that absolutely helps. A good support system full of People who truly care, even if they can't give everything that the person in grief needs at every single moment, because nobody can, we all have our own lives. I think that a person who has a support system full of people or even a couple people who are active listeners, who are okay being with that person in pain, who don't feel like it's up to them to make everything better. And just know that just being there goes a long way. I think that that's really amazing. I mean, like, I don't know really what grieve well means. I think it's just grieving in a way that is true to you. I guess that's how I would define it. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, to grieve well, you need to know yourself. And you need to check in with yourself and how you're feeling. People who grieve well are not hurting themselves or anybody else physically or really mentally or emotionally. Um, They are trying to figure out what they need on any any given day and, and stand up for what those needs are. Um, Because unfortunately it really is up to us, the people dealing with loss to, to know what you need. Um, And you might not know what you need tomorrow today. But if you think about what you need today, then it's kind of up to you to to figure out how to get that. Um, it's totally unfair. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, when when you lose somebody, the world should absolutely owe you five years, at, you know, yeah. at a beautiful spa somewhere, like, I don't know, in the Rockies. I don't know. Um, but, uh, but it doesn't give that to you. It still gives you lots of life to deal with. Mm-hmm. So... I just think that, you know, it's, it's a tough reality, but the better we get at examining our needs and our feelings and making space for moving through our losses, like, you know, not feeling all the time to the hilt, um, having some reflection time, checking in with ourselves, that will allow us to grieve better than some people grieve today.
0: Mm -hmm. So, uh, just as you were saying that, I'm thinking of the person who, you know, maybe maybe they've uh, had the loss of a loved one in there, and it's been, you know, a year or two, or even even longer than that, and they just maybe they feel the guilt or the shame that comes with. Man, I I should be moving further past that. What would you tell that person?
2: Yeah, I would tell them to cut themselves a break.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: The you know people look at these timelines and they compare themselves to other people and it's pointless because you know maybe someone else looks like they're doing just fine but you don't really know what's going on in their lives and the person who looks like they're doing just fine might not be doing just fine tomorrow mm-hmm. i think it's a big time suck to compare and contrast with other people and i've played that game i'm a, you know i'm i'm, I'm i don't want to be a hypocrite and say you know i haven't done it um I have, and I continue to do it, but I'm also aware that it's a waste of time to beat myself up over what I think I might be doing better or worse than others. Um, I think you just have to, everyone's grief is unique to themselves. Everyone's grief is very personal. Even two people who are in the same family or who lost the same friend are gonna grieve differently. And you have to respect that about yourself and about other people too. You have to respect that some people are not going to be as forthcoming, you know, externally as you might want to be, or vice versa. And that's okay, Um, as long as they're not hurting themselves Mm -hmm. or anybody else. That should be okay.
0: Yep, completely agree. What What would you say you see? maybe people who are overlooking it concerning the grievous process or maybe they underestimate about the grieving process?
2: I'm sorry, I don't know. Un- What's the question?
0: What, whenever it comes to, to grieving, what would you say mm-hmm. that most people underestimate?
2: Um, I think most people underestimate how it really, like, reworks your brain. Um, I just ran a piece about a woman who, you know, we run pieces, they're mostly about loss of dead human beings, but yeah. we also run pet loss pieces, because these are very real relationships. Um, and she talked about how her cat, bro- her cat's death broke her brain, how in grief, you know, she didn't realize She was in such deep grief that, you know, she had she has mild dyslexia and all of a sudden her symptoms spiked and all of a sudden she couldn't keep track of time and her words were becoming inverted. She was really, truly in a fog and she really underestimated the impact that grief has neurologically on us. I think that we don't realize the impact grief has on our bodies on, you know, after my mom died, I had everything happen to my body from like intense weight loss to some weight gain that I couldn't control. Like no, I couldn't control any of it to extreme insomnia. Um, I even found myself at one point in, in a neurologist's office getting a brain MRI because I had vertigo Um, and all of these, I really, I felt like I was going crazy, but they were all just very real symptoms of grief and they were so surprising to me because people don't talk about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I think these are surprising things, and that's why I believe in the importance of talking about it.
0: Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> because you're
2: going to feel a lot less crazy if you know that this is this is okay. Like not okay, but this happens.
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely, completely agree. What would you say for? We, we've talked a lot about the person who is um, going through the grieving process, but you know, I think a lot of our, a lot of us. Um, can sometimes find ourselves on the opposite end of that where we know someone who's gone through um, maybe an unexpected loss or an unexpected tragedy um, just through what uh, through your own story and even talking with other people and seeing their stories um, what would you say are maybe some like do's or don'ts for for friends of people who are going through um, an unexpected loss
2: um yeah well we, we so we have. On modern Loss, we always say that we don't pass judgment; that yeah. everybody is welcome to fly their flag. However, we reserve the right to pass judgment on some things that we think really <laughs> empirically do not work and do yeah. not help. And please don't ever do that, please, please, please. Mm-hmm. So you know what we—a we, lot of them are um, are don'ts, uh, which might sound really off-putting, but it's more because the do's are actually pretty easy. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, the don'ts are, please don't compare. Please don't Please don't say things like, I know exactly what you're going through because you don't. I mean, if you are trying to support somebody and you yourself went through something profound, it is very profound and it is very valid, but you don't know exactly what that person is going through. And when you say that, you make them feel like something's wrong with them if they're not moving through it in the same way you move through it. You don't know. Everybody's grief is totally different. Everybody's relationship with their lost person or pet is totally different than yours. So you have to respect that. Um, comparisons do not work ever. Um, saying, you know, um, <laughs> you know, um, I, I know how you feel. My dog died or, or something like that. Um, you don't, I mean, it, it's not, again, everyone's grief, everyone's situation is different. Um, I would say that a look on the bright side type of platitude Mm -hmm. is also not helpful. Um, something like, you know, saying to somebody who had a miscarriage, well, at least you have these two beautiful kids or, you know, at least you're young. You can have, you can try again. Of course, like this person is not an idiot. Mm -hmm. They know they can try again or they know, or maybe they can, or they know that they can um you know they know that they that that they think they're they are aware that they have other kids or they have other good things in life but you know you're trying to erase what they're feeling in the moment and that's not going to erase it um telling someone you know well at least you had a great relationship with your mom great that's awesome the person had a great relationship with their mom well think about how maybe that makes it incredibly painful that that mother is no longer here. Eventually, hopefully, that person will be able to reflect on amazing, happy memories without feeling like they want to die. But chances are that day is not in those early days of grief. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I just don't think that stuff helps. What I do think helps is making it very clear to somebody that you are there for them, that you love them, or you care for them, if say they're a colleague, just that they're important to you, that they matter to you as human beings, and that you're not scared to sit with them in their grief. You're not going to be scared off by their sadness or their anger or their frustration. You, They can be themselves, and you're not going to be scared away. Just being with them in their anger, expressing how unfair it is, goes so far. And you know what also goes really far is saying their person's name, asking them what their person's name was, recalling memories if you knew them, and saying that name. It is so invaluable. I I can't even tell you, you know, my mom was so beloved. And even so, I don't get to say her name out loud that much. Her name is Shelby. And she died 12 years ago and I miss her so much. And I'm generally okay in my day to day, but I would love to say her name all the time. I would love to remember her, but people don't really think 12 years down the line that I really, you know, to do that because they're busy, (laughs) um, saying that person's name is so meaningful. And also, you know, I want to say one last thing that is never, ever, ever helpful are, like, I would say, like, the journalistic questions, like, if someone's parent or somebody died in a car accident, asking if they were wearing a seatbelt, if someone was a smoker, you know, died of lung cancer, did asking if they were a smoker, if, you know, um, I don't know, if someone had a miscarriage mm-hmm. asking what their pregnancy had been like or how they were, you know, treating themselves. These things don't help. In fact, they make it worse. They make, you know, they'll probably make the person want to slug you.
0: <laughs> yes, I, I completely agree. Um, what would you say is one thing that you've learned overall about dealing with grief and loss that you would like people to take more seriously?
2: Um I mean, I think that I've already talked about a couple of those. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of I guess it I, I guess in terms, <laughs> you know it's like counterintuitive to say, but like I, I want them to embrace humor more. Yeah. I, I seriously want them to embrace humor more. Uh, you know, one of the our tone at Modern Loss is very candid and very conversational and very hang loose, let it all hang out. And that's because that's kind of the way I talk. Um, And I don't want people to feel like talking about grief has to be this sanctimonious type tone where we are talking about our dead loved ones in ways that make them sound like they're saints because people are people. Um, Mm -hmm. And that puts a lot of pressure on us when we're trying to like only remember the good stuff. Because there's a lot of not good stuff too. And that's okay. They were people. Um, I think that the more we embrace humor and don't view that as something disrespectful, uh, that's great. Because we all have to laugh. Yep. <laughs> and we all have to feel like ourselves. And we can't be so heavy about it all the time if we don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Laughter is so important. Life is so messy. Um so, you know, how frequently do you laugh about the inane aspects of life? So you certainly should be able to laugh about the inane aspects of death because death is messy. And beyond that, if death is messy, grief is messy. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of weird stuff that happens. And you have to laugh about it sometimes or else you're gonna go crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, I we have a lot of funny pieces in our book. Our book you know, it's called modern loss, but there's a lot of humor in it. Um, at my mother's funeral, you know, it was like one of the worst days of my life, but there were really hilarious things that happened, and they kept me sane because I could hold on to that and have a moment of levity.
0: Mm-hmm. What What have you learned through your own grieving process?
2: I've, I mean, I've learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, uh, <laughs> But I think for myself I, I've definitely learned to go easier on myself, be kinder to myself. Um, I've learned more patience with myself. Um I'm still pretty hard on myself as a person in general, I'm very self-deprecating, but I I I become I've I've gotten to a point where I'm I'm definitely kinder with myself. I I don't beat myself up if I'm having suddenly a tough day, a decade after my mom's death or several years after my dad's death. I used to think something was wrong with me, like, oh God, you should be really okay by now. It's just not the way it works, um, because I've realized now by publishing hundreds of pieces and meeting hundreds of thousands of you know like reading the hundreds of thousands of reader experiences over the last five years that this whole thing is just a mess. Mm-hmm. And that's OK. And. I've learned that if a wave comes and it feels hard to weather, that wave is also going to go <laughs> mm-hmm. and there will be another wave. But if you ride it out, it, it, you know, it's going to it's going to abate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And that helps me move through a lot of the tough moments.
0: Well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being on the Learner's Corner podcast. I know that people are definitely going to want to connect with you and learn from you. So where's the best place for them to go to learn from you? Where's the best place for them to go to learn about uh, modern loss and also pick up the book as well?
2: Sure. Um, well, we publish frequently, multiple times a week on on our website modernloss.com. Uh, we also have this amazing advice column. We have we're starting a legal advice column for an estate lawyer, which oh my gosh, I would have been so happy to have when I was in the thick of it. Um, we have we're starting a clinical advice column. Um, we have just the most amazing essays that are narrowly focused around one aspect of the loss experience, and we also We we publish people's stories, so Mm -hmm. if if any listeners are interested in sharing their story with us, we have pitch specs on our homepage um, that they can submit a pitch idea to us. Um, We work really closely with all of our contributors in a very high-qualitative way. Um, Separately, we are on all the social media channels. We have a really active Facebook page. We have a public Facebook page. Facebook page. And the thing that I love is that we have a closed Facebook group, which is amazing. It's linked to our open page. Um, We have just so many amazing people on this page. I have not once had to moderate it in nearly two years of it being up. People are just so incredibly supportive um, and loving to each other from all over the world. Uh, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, <laughs> everything is at modern loss. Um, and I do a lot of events. Um we, you know, we have live events all over the country. If you sign up for our newsletter, you'll you'll get clued into them. I also run them on Facebook so you can see them. And uh, you know, lastly, I, I really am so proud of this book that Gabby and I co-authored. It has country well we wrote extensively for it but Mm -hmm. it has contributions from more than 40 people from all over the world i think we have five continents represented we have more than 50 amazing illustrations by this incredible artist who we love peter arkel who does a lot of stuff for the new yorker and the new york times um the pieces are quirky and they're funny and they're moving and you know they're by people who you've heard of maybe like brian stelter who post-reliable sources on CNN, or Amanda Palmer, who's a literal rock star, or, you know, um, Kim Goldman, who is the sister of Ron Goldman, who was murdered um, in the, you know, along with um, uh, O.J. Simpson's wife, -wife. Mm -hmm. ex-wife, you know, and then we have people who just have really compelling stories to share who aren't known at all. So I'm just really proud of this book. Uh, I think that it It's really great because it's really colorful. There's tons of cartoons. It's really counterintuitive. It's not the book that you want to shove into your drawer and not let anybody see your reading. It's Mm -hmm. meant to be put on your coffee table, look really cool. Um, It's meant to be picked up and read for 20 minutes and then maybe thrown across the room for Mm -hmm. three months. And picked up again, so it's kind of meant to be a friend that accompanies you. Uh, so you know, we 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 have many ways yeah. to connect with us, and um, I welcome all of them.
0: Awesome. Well, Rebecca, again, thank you so much for being on the Learner's Corner today, and thanks just for your for your honesty and your vulnerability and your authenticity as well.
2: Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Caleb.
1: Well, coming out of that conversation, I think that um, there, are, there are tons of, of takeaways and tons of things um, to think about, but in, instead of really commenting on the conversation, I think that Caleb and I just, what we wanted to do was, hey, here are a couple things that, that kind of have helped us or that we've learned through our, uh, uh, through processing grief and through experiencing grief, and so I wanted to, to throw it over to Caleb first, um, just to give us one or two, one or two things maybe that, that have helped you or that you've learned through that
0: Mm -hmm. so um, I'll give uh, I'll give some I'll give one piece of advice on what's helped me grieve well and then I'll give um, another piece of advice um, that if you're that if you're on the other side and you have a friend or have a family member who is grieving um, as well I think for grieving well, you need to give yourself permission to feel any emotion that you're feeling
1: um, and I remember that was a big struggle for you. Was you felt guilty for feeling some emotions?
0: Yeah, um, you need to uh, just what well, you were saying. You need to feel your emotions, and that could be maybe you're maybe you're angry at God. It's okay to it's okay to feel that way. Maybe you're disappointed. It's okay to feel that way. Maybe you don't know how to. Feel, maybe you don't know how to feel or you're like, oh I shouldn't be crying. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to feel what you're what you feel. We're we're human beings. We're made to feel things and that's not a bad thing at all. Um I would I would seriously recommend talking with a counselor as well to help process those feelings, those emotions. Um that has helped me tremendously. And I would say if you are um if you are someone who's uh, who's a friend to someone who's grieving, well, don't be afraid to reach out to them, and just say, you know what, I'm a. If you want to talk about your loved one who passed away, if you want to talk about what you're feeling right now, we could talk about that. But if we don't want to talk, if but if you don't want to talk about that, if you just want to talk about sports, or talk about something non-related to that, I'm okay doing that too. I think there's a tendency for us to just think we need to have all the answers. I can assure you nothing that you say will help this person feel any better. But you being there will help Um, them.
1: I wanted to give um, a quick resource because I think a lot of times what happens with grief is um, the next conversation that started is uh, for some people – um, it becomes e- it c- it can even become a mental health um, concern. So I wanted to start just with with a resource, um, just because Caleb and I part of something that, that we were a part of um, over the last year was we, we watched a community near us go through um, just an incredible loss of, of teenagers and, and young people um, through suicide. So I wanted to start with with also giving a this this crisis national suicide prevention um, hotline number, and so it's one eight hundred seven or two, seven, three, eight, two, five, five. So let's start off with this. Um, If some, a lot of this stuff is usually bigger than anything that, that we can, we can handle. Um, And so there might become a point where there's just nothing that you're going to be able to do except for listen. And the best option for somebody is to go to counseling, to go get help. But if it's in a critical spot where somebody is starting to talk about suicide or ending their life, they just can't go on. Um, reach out to this phone number one 8255 So I wanted to start there with giving that giving that mm-hmm. resource. But like I said, um, and like you mentioned, uh, oftentimes it isn't people will will not remember what you said. I don't remember things that people told me the night that my dad died. I remember who was in the room. I remember who came to the hospital. I remember. The people who sat on the front porch um, with with my sister while I was with my mom in the bathroom helping her through a panic attack. I remember the people who were in the house. I don't have any recollection of what they said. That's that's the first thing. And I remember um, after you and your you were in your car accident, I was driving over to your house, and and I and I I remember praying and just asking God to to let me know what to say or whatever and then it was it was almost a thing where i i paused and i realized there isn't anything that i'm going to say that can add or subtract from this conversation the most important thing to do is to go and sit on her couch and that's exactly what i did is i went and i sat on the couch in your guy in your your parents sitting room and and just sat there and listened and i was there for i don't know half hour 45 minutes maybe an hour tops yeah and, and that's, that's all that it was. Um, you and I, we're, we're Christians, so we have, we have faith. And, and one of the, thing, the examples that we have comes from um, the Old Testament, which is the first section of the Bible, and it's with Job. And, and I think a perfect picture is his friends, um, Job's friends. So in the story, Job loses everything in his life. He loses his entire family, he loses all of his wealth, and he loses his health in a day. And he has a, a group of friends that come and see him, And his friends do not start the conversation, instead they sit in silence. And they sit for several days in perfect silence. And I think one of the things that's most important to recognize and realize is that it isn't anything that we say that's going to help, it's simply our presence. And I will also add this in, our lack of presence. Sometimes people just need to be left alone during grief process. Um, especially right when something happens. And one of the most important things is is being comfortable enough to say, do you need me to be here or do you need me to be somewhere else? Yep. Because sometimes it's overwhelming and sometimes the conversation is best had um, through a text message saying, hey, just thinking of you today, wanting to check in because sometimes people just need to be alone and they just need to be left alone to process and to think. Um, so both things are, are incredibly incredibly helpful one of the things that i've that i have uh, m- my second thing and this is my last thing is um for two of of the deaths that that happened being my grandma and my my dad they were all they were sudden things mm-hmm. um they were totally unexpected my uncle had been sick for many months i mean he was incredibly ill um, but my dad had, both Both my dad and my grandmother, they both had heart attacks, and it was a sudden thing. Matter of fact, um, my dad died in his barn. Um, now my grandma made it to the hospital, but both things were, were a sudden thing. And here is what I have learned whenever something happens all of a sudden, whether it's a car accident like you experienced, it's in a sudden death that happens from heart attack, or, mm-hmm. just from, or for, even from overdoses. I've heard this from people talking about losing family members to, to overdoses on drugs even is there is a shock factor because you they, they may have not been able to talk to that person before they died. And so they need to be able to have an a, a person who can just listen. And they're going to say things, and like you said, they might be angry at God, but they're going to need to say things... And they're going to need a non-judgmental ear to be able to process openly with. The things that they say do not necessarily reflect what their actions are going to be. They just need a safe place to be able to say things. And, and that was true for me. I know that was true for you. Um, and I know that was also true from some for, for like my sister and people in my family. It was just the ability to be able to be able to say some maybe not rational things and mm-hmm. it'd be okay and safe.
0: Yeah. And I would uh, just add one more thing if just even realizing that the grieving process, um,
1: it's not linear. It's circular. That's
0: true. Uh, also the grieving process. Um, I think for, um, I think, especially if you're, if you're, not necessarily the one going through the grieving, but for the person who, um, who, let me rephrase that. If you are the friend of someone who's going through the grieving process, I think a lot of times we can ask, hey, how can I help? Can I be there for you? And then when the funeral happens, we can possibly forget. I would just encourage you, if you have someone... Who is currently grieving. I would say it is. I don't know if it's. It's really important. Checking in. To, to check, check in, in with them.
1: In. Yeah. You don't have to have long conversations. You don't have to have deep theological. And you don't have conversations. And you don't have to provide answers. But sending a text. One of the yep. most caring things that you can do. Is to send a text message that says. Hey. Thinking of you this morning. Hope all is well. Yep and going beyond the funeral yep
0: so thanks so much for listening to the learner's corner today um we're going to drop an episode later this week where we're going to reflect back on what we've learned in the month of february Mm -hmm. and so the best way to make sure that you don't miss that episode is by
1: subscribing to that podcast to our podcast hit the subscribe button
0: on whatever you use also leave us a rating and write a review thanks so much for listening to the learner's corner today my name is caleb mason
1: My name is not. It is Todd Hixenbaugh.
0: And until next time, keep learning and keep growing.
1: Deuces, y'all.